Hey folks, this is Dojo Talks, our chess podcast. Today we are talking about the first year of our Dojo training program, um, as well as the release of the 2.0 version and maybe some future thoughts as well. Um, So yeah, we just celebrated our our first year of launching the the Dojo training program. I would say it was um, more successful than, than we would have hoped. Um, we you know threw out some numbers like this week on on social media and stuff, but the big ones are collectively you know as a group the the program earned seventy three thousand rating points, and that's with uh, you know not everyone tracking their stats and people only counting let's say one rating number for uh, that tracker, meaning they might have gained chess.com points, Lee Chess points, USCF points, FIDE points, but only tracked one rating per person. We had an average rating gain of 41 points uh, per per player that was tracked, which was very, very cool. Um, and uh, overall, we crossed uh, 1,000 members uh, somewhere in, in the first year. Um, lately, we're up to about uh, 1,200, 1,300, which is, which is very cool. And uh, we recently introduced the 2.0 version. Um, so just to catch everyone up, uh, this I'm going to... I'm going to try real hard for this not to be like a sales podcast, right? We're going to go into some actual discussion at some point. But just to catch yeah. everyone up. You sound so like professional and serious now. When we were getting set, like folks already missed the best, which was Dojo Talks haircuts. Now it's all like Dojo Talks business. <laughs> I mean, you, this, you were more fun a minute ago. This is the, this is the, yeah, I turned it on for the content. Um, yeah. <laughs> So we released 2.0, folks. Really apologize for that interruption. <laughs> really sorry. <laughs> this happens every time he gets a new haircut, my friends. All right, Kosi, continue. Thank you. Uh, with the 2.0 launch, there were some some major updates. The the big one was that we essentially moved everything onto one site, um, which I think made things a lot easier for for members. Um, we have uh, this new site architect named Jack who um, has done wonderful things with creating like the new program, putting the program up on the site, having a scoreboard that people can um, easily um, uh, log and, and track stuff on, um, adding uh, activity tracker, time tracker, um, all this cool stuff. Um, so everything is all in one place for 1.0. Of course, people know our big struggle was that things were kind of all over the place. We had a Discord, we had all these Google Sheets, and uh, a lot of people gained a lot of rating, but of course it was definitely a learning curve to uh, to actually start and like use the program. So with 2.0, really the biggest update is that everything is a lot easier and it's all in one place. Um, we've got a, a games database of all the games that people have submitted um, over the past uh, year and new games. Um, and then we have this like very cool shared group calendar where people can schedule games now and training sessions. Um, and a new update, this just launched uh, like yesterday, um, we, we've now made it much easier to find uh, a sparring game because you can go to the site, you can look through all the sparring positions we have recommended in the program, pick one that you want to play, just immediately get the challenge link, automatically copy it, send it to your friend and you guys can get started. So it doesn't take like three to five minutes to like find the position and copy it into chess.com or leechess. You just get the link, you send it to someone, now you can start uh, playing. So it's gotten a lot easier to actually get your chess training 
um, going. In addition, we also updated a bunch of the content, like we updated the books, the games to memorize, a lot of the games to study. We added some new bands, especially at the lower levels. We added a 0 to 300 band, 3 to 400, and then every 100 points um, since then. And um, yeah, updated a bunch of tasks, but I, okay, those were, those were the major things, just major uh, website overhaul. And um, yeah, just a, I think a much tighter streamlined uh, program. So overall, I was super pumped with the 2.0 launch. I think it's a great, great update for the program. Um, and I'm just excited for how good our members are going to get. I don't know about you guys. Yeah. Yeah, really pumped. And let's just say the obvious. Uh, we had a huge boost from Jack Stengline, who was in the program, who then really designed this beautiful site and did it so fast <laughs> and so beautiful. I mean, that's just well done, but it's just like a beautiful site. And every day it's gotten better in ways that just are stunning to me. And so I think it's a real beautiful marriage between like the ideals of the program that we started with a year ago and now the technological ability to really showcase the program and you know myself having now used it seeing some students engage with it it's so much simpler and just fun to use it, it whereas the other thing it was like okay i gotta negotiate this google doc and figure it out and a lot of people did it right but it wasn't as fun and rewarding as it this site is which is really the goal for, you know, when you do some hard training, you want to then come here and be like, I want to log it and I want to see what the people in my cohort have done. I want to see if I can get my dojo score higher than them. And I want it to be easy. Like the hard part should be the chess, not the technological stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. I would like to get my dojo score higher. <laughs> <laughs> And I'll just say as a, as an anecdote, you know, today I was working with Jamil and that dude, um, ages ago, we did the bishops and knight checkmate, but he, he saw like, oh, I got to check this stuff off and coming to the new cohort and was like, well, I want to do it again. And then, you know, we have an easy bishop and knight checkmate and then we have a hard one. And then he failed. He did it instantly with the easy one and then failed. And it was, you know, to his chagrin, but like, it was this thing where like, oh, I put it in and then. Cartier Tonk is right above me. There is Chess Latte right above me in the dojo score. I can clearly catch these fools <laughs> if I put in these requirements. Oh, yeah, dude, I'm into it. And um, it's so much more fun, too. When, than for us, me and Kosu, we need more people to join us in this 2,400-plus cohort because it just makes it so much more interesting and fun to have a bunch of people and then see what they do. You know, absolutely. Yeah, I think um, group accountability is very interesting and, yeah. and important. I think the competitiveness of just that's just naturally built into the scoreboard, having this kind of leaderboard type thing is definitely going to get people to do a lot of um, good work. Uh, now, I think it's just like a, just a very, I don't know, helpful uh, tool. We've got a walking group here in, in St. Louis. You guys, I, I don't okay. think I've, I've told you this. And, you know, we're we're honor bound to do 10,000 steps a day. You know, there's four of us uh, chess players here. And if we don't do our 10,000 steps, that means you're buying coffee for everyone the next day. 
And so far, no one's missed a day. Everyone's done their 10,000 steps. You know, uh -huh. it's very, it's very simple, but it's very powerful. And you're so, logging it on some site? Yeah, I mean, all, all your phones now just kind of log it. Like my phone just logged it automatically. I didn't even, you know, ask it to. Just yeah. listening to our conversation. Or yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it just comes with the phone. Yeah, yeah, we'll track everywhere you go. Um, no problem. Yeah. Like I overheard you having a conversation about walking with your friend the other day, and I downloaded this app for you and installed it and set it up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, thank you, thank you, Alexa, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm very excited about how because we not only have the um, inter cohort competitiveness, we also have the intra cohort competitiveness because. Jack installed these dojo wide stats. So now people can see what all the groups are doing collectively, like how much time they're spending, how much rating they've earned, um, and just who they are in terms of numbers. And I feel like the cohort versus cohort scoreboard is also going to be very important as people are just going to want to, you know, gain points for, for their team. Mm -hmm. Cool. All right, let's, let's get this thing moving. Jesse, you want to hit us with a thought experiment? I want to do a, a thought experiment. Okay. So friend of the dojo, James Alditcher, has a uh, podcast, beautiful podcast. Check it out. And it's just called The James Alditcher Show. And his most recent one turned me on to a really interesting idea that can be applied to various facets of your life. And it's called the 10X Principle. So here's the idea. In most people's lives, this is definitely mine. When I think about the areas of my life in which I'm striving towards something, I'm generally actually just trying to get small gains around the edges. So for example, uh, let's say with fitness, you know, oh, I might be like, oh, you know, maybe I'll try not to eat X, you know, maybe I'll try to eat a little bit more of Y, you know, maybe I'll try to be like Kostya and go walk a little bit. You know, in the morning, maybe I'll do a little stretch in here and there, you know. So there's mm -hmm. these little tiny things that people are doing all around the edges. And that's what most people are doing in these areas of life where they're trying to improve. Instead of doing a bigger thought experiment where we'd be like, okay, time out. What would it take for me to truly make the next level? Right. And this could be applied to fitness or other things. Uh, let's say, for example, you're, let's say you're a father like me and David are, and you have a family and you want to take it to the next level. I think David is actually doing a really interesting 10X experiment uh, at the end of this year where he's taking his kids to France for a year, right? <laughs> oh my gosh, you know, huge 10X experiment where like you're saying clearly like, I want my kids to learn French. I want my kids to be exposed to some other culture. I want to have time for a year to be with them more than I would in my, our normal circumstances. So that's an example of where you can use this 10x principle, like in areas that are completely, you know, you wouldn't normally think of being as competitive. It's not competitive, but it's just for your life. Okay. The other thing that's really interesting about the 10% versus 10x is when you're doing the stuff with the 10% stuff, we're just like, oh, maybe I'll have a little less salt. Let's go back to the fitness metaphor, right? Oh, I'll have a little bit less salt, you know. Well, the things you're doing are all the things that your competitors are doing as well. They're all thinking that same way. So they're also making these little tiny adjustments, you know, trying, you know, not too massive, 
they're staying in their comfort zone, right? And then just trying to do these small changes. So the small changes you make are actually going to be replicated in the cohort around you, whatever it is you're doing, right? Um, and so that allows you to say, stay in whatever safe place you were, the area of comfort, and really keep all whatever bad habits they are that are holding you back. So then when you do the 10x experiment, it's like, okay, well, what would it take for me to make the next level? Uh, and what would the next level be, right? So for example, with chess, chess is an interesting example for myself where, especially since I've been doing this chess dojo thing and I don't have that much time, I have the family as well, I've definitely been in a 10% mindset. So what would it take for me to go full on in my chest, right? Another really interesting thought experiment for me and also even for the dojo, like what would it take for me or somebody else at this stage of my life to really go for it? And what would the result want to be, right? So <clears throat> I bring it all up, of course, because then looking forward for chess dojo, what would 10X mean? So a first obvious answer is just 10 times more people. But, you know, that involves, that's like a, a, an uncreative response. It'd be great, of course, to have 10 times more people. But it's kind of an uncreative response. And so the thing that I kind of wanted to throw out is like, what would it take and what would we want to do if we had like a full-on vision for what it would take to get to the next level? So here's some obvious things. Um, most of us are doing side gigs uh, on the side for money. DM Hokey, I teach some lessons still. Kosia's like we're doing work for St. Louis. I mean, it would be really full on, obviously, if we all stopped those side gigs and we're just like, nope, boom, it's just chest dojo. That's an obvious example that would remove a safety blanket, <clears throat> right, for all of us involved. And it would instantly create a lot more effort from all of us, you know, going into the site. Um, another one would be making investments, right? Being like, okay, uh, our videos are kind of sad. <laughs> we do on YouTube. Let's invest more into them, right? And I, honestly, I think we've got a great start with this guy in France that's helping us edit these the newer videos that have come out. We've just done a couple, but that's an example of like, okay, we're gonna make this commitment to making 10x, which is truly like, okay, well, the quality has to be improved. Um, okay, so I'll leave my, that was my spiel, but we can, uh, yeah, just, I wanted to kind of throw that out there, get your thoughts. And I'll say one of the things I'm hoping for this discussion is a lot of times you guys, when we meet behind, you know, just our normal Zoom calls and talk, we often have great ideas. Oh man, I think a lot of small improvements of the dojo. We've come up with some really cool ideas and they might seem small, you, you know, in the big picture, but day by day, it's like, oh, that was a cool idea. And you add it up and you add it up and it starts becoming this cool picture. So anyways, that's my kind of hope for what we can do today in thinking about the future of Dojo and Dojo 2.0. Yeah. I mean, I think the whole project of, like we just had a, a conversation that just as a Dojo talk, is there such a thing as a universal training program, right? Mm -hmm. And then in a couple months, we made the thing, right? And the changes from version one to version two are pretty dramatic. So I think that, you know, so far we, we definitely haven't just been puttering or puttering around the edges with it. Right. Um, 
but thinking in terms of what it would take to go to the next level. Um, my first thought is an investment in marketing. Basically, I mean, <laughs> I'm not a fan of marketing. Yeah, <laughs> I see it as mainly a waste industry, but um, but if we wanted to take it to the next level, I think that's kind of what all of us are most lacking, right? Like, mm. and it's not even, I mean, it's not, it's not even necessarily that we don't know how to do marketing. It's that it's not something that we want to spend our time doing, maybe. Mm -hmm. Like, you've got a bunch of marketing ideas, but you'd rather record another chess video, right? Um, so, you know, I think I think it would be investments and I think it would be in people because I don't think it's something that, that any of us are going to do, but we need more sort of, we need like a community event manager and a marketer, mm -hmm. something like that, right? Like somebody who's like running tournaments all the time, um, who's, who's facilitating stuff, who's getting people together for book club and whatever. Right. And, um, and then somebody who's like really working on ideas for spreading the word, you know, and we have ideas sometimes and then may not implement them all. So. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think like a community uh, events person would definitely be very helpful. Um, one thing that we've kind of gotten going in the discord is like these uh, book study groups. They've been mm -hmm. mostly kind of self-driven. Like one person would like to study some book, they start a group, others join. It's usually like one or two people um, each week that's kind of doing the driving. They set up the group, they start the voice channel, people join, and then I think people enjoy it. You know, I usually see the, the same folks in there, you know, time and time again. Um, so, but uh, yeah, that takes a very extroverted individual to kind of set that up. And it'd be great if we had that extroverted individual doing that all the time and setting up meetings and uh, and getting things going. Because, um, uh, well, a big part of, I mean, of training is just like working with others and doing stuff together. And I think you get more done. You're also just more productive. You meet more often. Just like so many benefits to uh, to working with a group. Agreed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So to me, those are the two obvious, the two obvious points, um, where we would get a lot. Yeah, I mean, remember we made that. Remember we made that list of masters that we know to invite to come do the training program with us and train right, with us, right. right? But like, part of the issue is we don't personally have the time to have you know a hundred conversations with people because we've got all the other tasks to do, right? Mm -hmm. That would be something else that like, you know, if we had somebody who's like a dedicated marketing outreach kind of person, right? They could go around and go to other people and bring them in, right? Like, uh, here are some like things I'd like. I'd like some other like coaches to check out our training program and then tell us what they think about it. We might get some good feedback, might give us some ideas to improve, might also lead to them you know, recommending their system to their students if they if they actually find it's really cool and helpful. Um, and it would be a way for us to connect with more teachers, um, as well as improving the product. But again, I mean, somebody needs to go out and might need to contact, you know, 20 coaches to find five who wanted to come hook up with us and, 
and look at it for us, right? And negotiate, potentially negotiate something around it, right? Like they might want, who knows what they might want, right? In return for collaborating with us mm -hmm. in that way. Um, you know, or getting other streamers to use our training program, right? So like finding 1700 rated streamers and getting them to use the program and train it on, on their stream and then their community finds out about it, et cetera. I mean, you know, you could have all these marketing ideas, but you, someone has to go out and do a lot of footwork for it. And meh, I mean, I can think of the ideas, but I'd rather teach a chess lesson. <clears throat> Yeah, I, that, I think, go ahead. Um, yeah, sorry, I just want to say I think it'd be great actually if we got more um, community streamers on Dojo's channel because we got a few members in the program that they're either streaming on um, their own or maybe interested and we have a lot of empty hours that we could fill of just it could just be a student going through mm -hmm. something in their program and I think people would watch and it'd be interesting and um, yeah, I feel like there are people out there that would, would be happy to, um, to jump on the stream and, and lead some training, um, uh, but they have to be, you know, coordinated and they got to get set up and they need like a mic and a webcam and you know, all this stuff. So yeah. it's like, yeah, it's a lot of work to kind of oversee all that. Okay. You guys, this is my top, just off the top of my head list for things that would take us to the next level. And they're not, honestly, it's not amazingly hard. Um, <clears throat> uh, first, let's just say all these things that I'm about to mention will hopefully drive growth. And growth is important in that then it would allow us to invest more. But also, one of the things that we're seeing with the new scheduler, right, where people my God, let me just say, you guys, with this new sparring setup, it's just amazing because it's so much easier. And then the drive in numbers is important for the sparring because that makes it uh, much more feasible for someone just to show up and have somebody to spar with, right? And that's been a, a kind of complaint uh, that we've had and kind of like I'm hoping that soon we'll get to that critical mass which is combined with the technological ability to do what jack just did basically which is to set up sparring in an automated way but that we'll get to that critical mass where somebody can come to the site and simply be able to find a sparring opponent easily right and we're not quite there yet but when you look at our scheduler oh man it's it's getting full people are starting to use it more and more so i am hoping that that's like on the horizon. So let's call that sparring critical mass. That's another thing I, I'm gonna add to my list. Okay, but growth in any ways will lead to that. Okay, let me, here's my things. You guys mentioned community events, totally agree. And I wanna say both online and offline. Like I wanna meet people at tournaments. I, when I go to tournaments, amazing people, you know, come up to me and shake my hand and stuff. Along that lines though, we need merch in the sense that I go to a tournament and it would be a lot cooler if I had a dojo shirt. And we don't really have a dojo shirt yet. And we don't have a logo. We don't have a yeah. great logo yet that goes on a great shirt. And that goes to David's thing with marketing. I totally agree with the marketing. And the yeah. marketing, of course, is driving the numbers. And and Jesse, like, I don't want to derail your list, but yeah. 
you know, just as a conversation, like that's the kind of thing where like I'm sitting around talking about logos with Kostya for like 10 hours. Mm. And I'm yeah. like, dude, that's not like our lane, right? Like, uh -huh. right. We're looking at like pixel art and whatever, and like dis yeah. discussing concepts. And it's like, I just like, that is so dumb for a couple of adults to sit around talking for hours about like, you know, a little gi or like a belt on the gi yeah. or a, or should there be a forehead <laughs> band or whatever? It's like, oh my God, that's just like such a stupid, <laughs> like, what am I doing in this moment? You know, but then as you say, I mean, it would be really helpful at some level for us to have some of those things. So. It's such a critical goal <laughs> as it unlocks so many other things. Yeah, that's right. That's I know. Right. I mean, it's just, it's important. You know, it's a symbol. Symbols are important. Symbols. Yeah. And and so, for example, mm -hmm. I go to a tournament, and some people, many people, will recognize me just from videos or something. A lot of people, not even from the dojo, just see me on YouTube or something, and they'll come up and say hi. But if other people in the dojo were wearing some kind of dojo shirt, then it's like, oh, that's my tribe over there. We can go. I can go shake this person's hand, hang out. Yeah. Totally different experience. Okay. The next in the list is. Uh, Jamil in the chat mentioned that our audio visual, basically our YouTube's uh, production value could be higher. I totally agree. I totally agree. And we, I do feel like uh, with this new guy who's going to edit our videos, it's, it's, it's on the path. But all of us need to work on just the production value. And with that, you know, the big hope from the beginning of the dojo, even before we had the training program, was to get some kind of uh, YouTube viral video. And we had had a couple of them. Maybe we've got a couple up to like 80, 90,000 views, but never like the stunner. We've never gotten like anything over a million or something like that. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. Then I want to add also, uh, and this is my final one for now, though I'm going to have probably think of more is I think it would be great to fill out some of the top cohort sum. And even if we just had like, let's say so just to if you're just listening you don't know what i'm talking about our cohorts beginning from 22 to 23 23 24 24 25 or 2400 plus they're weekly sparse they're sparsely populated david's alone at 23 24 me and kosi are just alone at 24 25. in, in the old google doc we had like enlisted some bros of ours yeah. there but they haven't been using it you know they're busy with their own lives so to get active people in there is huge not only for the cohorts but also like i want those people who come in to maybe also be teaching the lower cohorts you know they can be paid to teach some of the people that are interested in lessons in the lower cohorts for example and then for me and kostya and the other people at the top it makes it so much more dynamic just to have more people in that cohort okay that's it now you know and i this, the, the sparring critical mass is essentially that same thing, but just for the higher cohorts, because we don't have it there yet. I think that's my first. Okay, so that's my first take sure. on what it would take for 10x. Doable, yeah. actually, very doable. No, I mean, I think, yeah. honestly, I think a logo, or just not to harp on it too much, but a logo would go a long way. I feel it's like 25% yeah. of the... <laughs> <laughs> of the journey right there um but it's fine you know it's fine that it's taking a long time because it's it's important you know it's like important things take time and it's like you got to get it you got to get it right you know it's like um you got to measure measure a lot before you before you cut 
Um, and uh, yeah, it'd be great if we had more people, especially at like the the higher levels, because then we'd really just have. Um, no, I think for everyone, it'd just be um, there'd be a lot more kind of sparring and availability throughout. Uh, definitely, like not everyone in the program has a good time finding uh, like training games or sparring partners. People live in like different time zones, so the more people we have, especially in all over the world, I think the better in terms of having uh, like availability. You know, the numbers for uh, for the sparring. Um, and actually, I'll, I'll add one more thing, and that is, I think it's really important for our own sanity, but also for the program, that we participate actively in the program itself, in the sense that we use the program to improve our own chess. And <clears throat> it might seem obvious, but it's it's actually a very, it's, it's a thing that I'll speak for myself, that involves commitment, right? In the sense that I need to get up early in the morning and do it or else it's not gonna happen. Then life takes over. Dojo takes over. They're like the Discord little Discord notification thing is popping out of the wazoo. The kids start screaming, <laughs> I got to get it done. So it's like in the same way that other people, I'm sure, have life that's getting in the way. We need to do it. And I'll, I've told Kosi this story before, but I think it's really relevant. Is that uh, at my gym, there's like the, the gym shifted owners and the guy on the way out was a great guy, but he wasn't really doing it himself. And it kind of like uh, the the feeling, it like percolated percolated downward in the sense that dude was just there kind of as a job and wasn't into it, wasn't doing it himself. Great guy, but still, it wasn't. It, it didn't matter. It's like there was a feeling of a esprit de corps, or whatever you want to call it, that happened once we see the coach doing it, him or herself, right? Changes everything. So I feel like that's an important part of. 10x as well, which is a big commitment because we're working hard, like on the site, we're working hard on like our lives and everything. And then also for chess, it's a lot. It's a big commitment. Yeah, I mean, for me personally, the struggle is it's really hard to have more than one thing kind of like at the top of my focus, like I can work on multiple things um, throughout like the week and stuff. But I feel like I can only obsess over one thing. And so if I'm only trying to improve my chest, then that's kind of the thing that goes up to the the top of the the focus. Mm -hmm. Lately for me, my focus has definitely been on the program. But not like doing the program, but like making right, the program right, right. better. Yeah. Setting it up, improving the site, managing the Discord, managing mm -hmm. the YouTube channels managing our social media accounts you know it's like so that's that's my struggle um although i've i've no. been finding time to do chess work on the side um which is nice though the it's it's been kind of it's been like with books that are outside the program um the cool thing is now i can track that and put it into my tracker right. anyway right, which is dude, great right. They're very excited because then I could show like, you know, I'm spending a lot of time. It's just not necessarily always on on program tasks. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, but yeah, I've been working on this um, this weekly uh, training plans as well for for the people um, in, in the program. 
I think that's something also actually that will probably help us a lot once we have some established training plans that people uh, can follow. Yeah. So many things we could do, not a lot of time. Yeah. I feel like Jamil's, we're in a great position though. I'm in still. Jamil's saying that if we record and stream the work on our own chess, it can be used as content. But like, I have to say a lot of like the most important training that I do now, I've sort of wondered about whether or not to even do it on stream or how to do it on stream because it'll literally be just me staring at a position for 20 minutes without saying a word or moving a piece. You know, like, yeah. I'm, like I'm mostly training calculation on like difficult, critical positions. And then the positions are so hard that the people watching, you know, are basically never going to get the answer. Um, and uh, and I'm not saying anything or teaching anything at all, so I don't know. No, that that's definitely a struggle as well. Um, streaming, yeah, the actual training for us, most of that content, it needs help to be like, like, like it needs like a host. For instance, you're there working on the puzzles, and then I'm there talking to the audience and like explaining and engaging with them. Yeah. Like it would definitely need to um, be formatted properly for because i mean it's interesting for maybe like high rated players that are solving the puzzles along with you um but that's unfortunately a small portion of the audience and most people especially yeah. like if we're talking about like youtube and trying to get like real numbers on youtube um yeah most people are not going to be interested in uh one hour long video that's like mostly silence and then like some you know explanations <laughs> like it's like great lesson material but yeah that's not what like that's yeah, not what youtube is really um built for yeah. And for yeah. those asking about just thinking aloud while you're doing stuff like that, that's not how we actually think. Like if we think aloud, that's not it. It has nothing to do with the actual internal process of figuring something out in a game. So then you're not actually training if you're talking. <laughs> now, I'll, I'll say it like this. I think I've got it in my head the way it should be done. Like, first of all, there are some things that you can stream. Like I did those puzzle survival stuff and that like fine. And um, I input my games live when I input after I've done my notes. Yeah, and annotating games, I can do, that's fine. In particular, I think that there's a lot of content that can be created after the work is done. So for example, right now I'm doing this book that Kosia made us do by Augard about positional, it's just a bunch of diagrams with uh, positional solutions. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I'm working through that. And then at the end, I'll do a, a book review, right? And yeah. that way also I'll be more in tune with the program itself because the book is in the program. Um, also, when I analyze the games, my own games, I do it by myself and then put it in and then talk. Often I have a coach and I'm going to stream it as well. So I'm just trying to, but one thing is very important is that I have the time alone <laughs> that I do not stream in the really hard sweat work stuff that I need to do, yeah. that is not available for me to know. That's just me. <laughs> That's just me. And if, uh, unless if, if, if it's not me, then I'm not working on my chest. Uh, you know, then I'm just doing uh, it for the site, which is not a dumb pursuit in life. But like I'm saying, I think it's important both for myself and for the program that people are like, oh yeah, Cry is also trying to do this. Dude is trying to win the senior championship. He's at least trying to qualify mm -hmm. for the US senior and all this stuff. 
<clears throat> I think it's important for them to see that. At least that's the narrative I'm giving myself because I do enjoy studying and, uh, you know, I want to improve. Yeah. I mean, on that, I think, you know, the annotated games thing, that's like, I think that's totally fine for the, the stream and, and people will happily watch that. But then for YouTube, it has to be like just completely edited down or, or translated in, in some way. Um, so it's definitely, yeah, not, not simple to balance like what would work for YouTube and then what would actually be, I think, helpful for, uh, for our own chess. Um, one of the ways it could work is if you're doing a lot during the week, a lot of training, and then every week that was kind of like condensed into like a 20 to 30 minute, like, oh, here's what, here's what I've been working on kind of thing. And then it just shows like the action <laughs> yeah, yeah. of the you know, 10 hours of, of work. I, I, in a way, I, I was trying to do that when I did that road to 2,500. A lot of people write to me and be like, boss, what happened to that? Um, here's a nasty comment. <laughs> here's a nasty comment on the, in the chat, but it probably is ultimately productive. Okay, I'm going to read the nasty comments. <laughs> you guys are, you're going to read the nasty comment. You guys are amazing at chess, but need someone like me to teach you how to make content. Now, whether it's like Nicholas Sloan or not, I think it is true that if there were some guy or some woman to teach us how to do content or to help us with content, that would be an example of an investment that we could do. It might even be a slightly big investment that would be like, oh, that's, that's a big investment. That person might cost a lot. I don't know who that person is, right? Um, but we... It, that would be an example of an investment uh, that we could make. And to a certain extent, like we at least did a small step in that direction, direction when we hired the French guy to do our, I mean, he's only edited like two vids at this point, right? But um, that's been the, uh, there is at least a push in that direction. Yeah, no, no, I think it'd be great if we had like a dedicated uh, videos person that we currently don't have because um, then they would be able to kind of manage our YouTube and let's say former content better and just have like a, we have like, let's say consistent voice and vision, which I think would go a long way. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, we're getting there, you know, I would say that we've, we found our voice for the most part, which I think okay. is the hardest part It's just, we need to, uh, yeah, find our form as well. But you know, we'll get there. I guess what what the way I read Nicholas's comment, and I think it's valid, is there's aspects of the production value that we probably, at least speaking for myself, don't care too much about, right? But I like sometimes I can't figure out where my sound is low or something. If we had somebody to figure that out, you know, to walk us through it, it would, yeah, it would help a lot. Um, and, you know, like now, I could arguably, I could have put a um, a blind over the window behind me. It might be better looking or something like that. I don't know. So that would be an example of somebody who could help us with those kinds of details, right? I get Kostya smirking. I get it too. I'm like, oh, I don't know. That's, <laughs> of all the things, no, we, no, we definitely things, yeah. we definitely need some tech help. That's that's for sure. <laughs> we certainly need a lot of a uh, lot of tech help. <laughs> all right should we move on to another topic sure let's move on boss yeah all right 
<laughs> Should I pick the topic? All right. Sure, sure. We've had ahead. we've had um several people uh in recent times ask us about a uh, senior discount. Um and uh you know another discount that we've considered at some point in the past was basically around countries, right? That in some countries 100 US dollars is like an insane amount of money and in other countries it's not. So um you know that like country by country you might want to provide different prices um and this is something we've just discussed a little bit in the background but i always like to take our most private conversations and put them in uh -huh. in front so what do you guys think about offering discounts i mean i'm against it but go ahead <laughs> <laughs> you're against it i thought the communist was for sure into discount. yeah why are you why are you against it what's your reasoning on that okay fine you want me to go first um well basically i think it's too much of a headache for us you know it's too much of a headache for us to manage case by case we don't have you know a person on staff to to check what countries people are in or what their age is and like figure out what the price should be and blah 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 it's just it's just a headache to deal with it and um i'd much rather just drive the price down overall um for the moment or leave discounts to some point in the future where we've got such a critical mass that we can have someone else on staff just <laughs> handling those kind of questions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, currently, I, I mean, shout out to to DM Hokey. He's kind of the the man behind the scenes that is fielding all those questions <laughs> right, from yeah. people. So, um, um, yeah, I don't know. I think honestly, it's not really that many people. Um, as a proportion that are asking for for discounts. Um, so my personal intuition is that anyone that asks for one um, sh should just get it because like if you're asking okay. for it, that means you probably probably do need it. Mm. Um, okay. We're going to get a lot of questions now, boss. <laughs> Poor Diamoki, man. Let me just say something, actually. You got to have a little bit of sympathy for Diamoki. So when we started Chess Dojo ages ago, DM Hokey was mostly helping us actually with some of the technical stuff, like getting the YouTube videos up. He was doing all our thumbnails and stuff like that. Now, DM Hokey is mostly negotiating people on the site with uh, people on site that lives like 50 emails a day he's answering, right? Like, how do I do this? How come this doesn't work? How come that doesn't work? Then they get to Discord and then dude is also answering all their questions there. That's basically what poor DM Hokey is doing. So like, right, if we, to David's point, the thing, anything, anytime you make it slightly more complicated, it makes that person, that interface person's job much more difficult. Right. Like, Costa, do you think anyone who asks for a discount should get a discount or anyone who asks for a discount and says that they're a senior? What if they say, like, I'm from Nicaragua and our currency is worth less? What if they say I'm a student? What if they say I lost my job recently? Uh -huh. What if they say I've got kids and my kids are expensive? Well, I mean, just, you know, uh, like, just to be frank, it, it doesn't... Uh cost a lot of money to get them onto the site so right uh and again it's not a lot of people that are asking for for discounts right um, i think for the most part if someone can afford it and they feel like the price is fair they're just gonna they're just gonna pay for it like it's not really worth the hassle for them to get like a couple bucks off if it's already mm -hmm. you know if they if they'd be willing to pay much more um so 
Yeah, yeah. I, I mostly see so it as a win. Just, like if just someone, give it to anybody who asks for it. I mean, I don't think we should necessarily like publicize it like that. But I would, I would do more of a you know, if they ask, then tell them kind of policy. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't really see the downsides if we have a couple extra folks in there um, that are motivated, they're interested in the program. Mm. You know, if it doesn't work out, they'll drop out. That's fine. If they gain rating, then. That's more points, you know, that we're responsible for. So that's cool. Mm-hmm. One of the um, things yeah, I, mean, I, I like about the program is that it doesn't cost that much for the most part. I get it. Well, I'm going to talk more about countries maybe where it's not so easy to pay for it. But the fact that you have to pay a nominal amount means that that's already a psychological commitment to do it. So one thing that happened towards the beginning of the program is I had several uh, talented young students. And I said, Hey, I want you to be in the program and I'm going to give it to you for free. They didn't do it. <laughs> they didn't do it. And it was like the yeah. impetus of a little bit of pain to get into the program is very helpful to be like, well, I'm paying for it boss. So now I got to go do it. Um, and I yeah. actually, we, by the way, when we created like, what should our price point be? We just kind of that was just a guess, dude. As far as I can tell. But I think it was a pretty good guess. And I like as well, when we think about a discount, I think we do give a great discount for people who are willing to commit for a year. I would be actually interested in giving a discount for people who were interested in buying a life membership. I think that would be interesting, right? That's a discount too. Um, let's I just spitball a number. Let's say $500 for a lifetime membership to the dojo. I think that would be a... a plausible offer. It's like the USCF life member. For example, yeah. And USCF doesn't give you anything, man. Those people, I was so happy. I was just personal story. One reason to become a GM is you don't have to pay those yearly dues anymore. I was so upset at paying those yearly dues. That was a key reason for me to come become a GM. Um, But if we could, for example, track, let's say, people from India, like we could you know, some tech person had a way to verify that they were actually from India, then I would have no problem in giving a discount. But Uh, that's exactly what I don't want to do is I don't want to spend time and effort on like sort of verifying stuff and discussing stuff. You know what I mean? Like, I would rather just just say we are like Costia solution if we just give a discount to anyone who asks for it or Mm -hmm. a solution if there are no discounts. Like either one is okay with me because it doesn't involve a lot of like effort and time. Like I'm fine essentially giving it away as long as overall the dojo has enough money for everybody working in it to like live right Mm -hmm. Uh, which we're not quite at but we're sort of approaching right which is why i kind of had that suggestion like a competing suggestion right which is like when we hit three thousand members we just cut the price in half for everybody Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The, the main argument against that i think is what you brought up with your students that if you make something like too free, too easy, no, no, no pain, no commitment, then people just won't do it. And what we don't want is like a bunch of people just in the program to say they're in the program and they're not really doing the program, right? That the, the, the program becomes diluted and weak then. Um, so I think if we want to let people in either, you know, at half cost or less than that or, or huge discounts, then what we... <laughs> Then what we need to do is we need to charge them another entry fee, right? Like 
10 annotated games or something like that, right? Like make sure there's some pain. Uh huh. Yeah. Um. Be like, sure. We don't need your money, but we need your we need your pain. We need your commitment. And I, I think that was laughing at a comment that we just got to read aloud because it's too funny. Uh, <laughs> we should charge seniors extra because of all <laughs> all the extra tech support that they <laughs> they need to be getting onto Discord and everything else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because those are the people that are costing us extra. <laughs> it's kind of oh, yes. true, man. The time that DM Hokey devotes to my technological problems in the past. It's been better recently, by the way. But in the past, yeah. it's been kind of hard. And definitely, like, I had two older students that really struggled with Dojo 1.0. They basically gave up on it. And now, you know, coming back into it, I think it's going to be pretty, I, I mean, I think it's very usable now. That's the other thing about actually, let's just say, one of the great things about 2.0 is that the boomers, AKA the late adopters, they can use it, right? It's easily understandable. It's a big difference. Yeah. So basically um, I see two different options for what we do with like our pricing, mm -hmm. right? One is we aim to bring down the price as the number of people in the program goes up to make it just sort of worldwide accessible over time. Mm -hmm. um, you know, with just like a target of how much we need to make to keep our lives sustainable and, you know, other investments we want, right? Like if we need six partners because we need mm -hmm. marketing and, and so forth, right? If we're making investments. Right. And um, and the other option is actually Cosia's plan, just discounts for anybody who asks for it. Um, and I think along with that, what we what we might want to do is start adding this like uh, this cost that you have to submit X annotated games to get in, um, which I, I think could be like a really cool piece of it, you know, a good ticket to get in. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. Doesn't that like increase the effort though? Like the annotated games, people will just submit like a downloaded game review from chess.com and we'll need someone to read it. You mean, Oh, yeah. you mean we have to verify their work? I mean, well, number one, people don't even know how to annotate games. That's why they're joining the program. But yeah, number two, we'll <laughs> yeah. have to verify their work. It'll have, it'll, it costs us a lot of extra work. Yeah. There's an interest. I, by the way, I'm very... obviously we wouldn't be verifying it. We would just be hoping that they were actually doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Um, I, um, I'm mostly happy with the price point as it is. But one interesting thought experiment is if you raise the price, that has interesting benefits too, in that you would weed out uh, the people in the program who are just kind of doing it so-so, right? We actually did a kind of similar experiment in the sense that we're by with 2.0, we're seeing how many people are actually transferring over. <laughs> it's a really interesting experiment because we had in the in, from the old Google Doc, we had like there were we, we had twelve hundred that were paying, and then we had like seventeen hundred on the Google Doc. So then the question becomes, how fast did people, or how fast are people coming over to two point oh? And at the moment, we only have five hundred and sixty coming over, right? So that I'm sure we'll get more who you know for whatever reason haven't joined. Like I forced Jamil to do it today. And it was an enjoyable experiment, but I think a lot of people are like, okay, I got life going on. 
I'm not ready to move from the Google Doc that I'm accustomed to. But in any case, what it shows us is that's the number of people who are actually committed. So anyways, the thought experiment of raising the price would be like, oh, well, then we can provide more value to those people and we can see who's actually truly using the program. Yeah. All right, we've got a question. What is the goal to make money or help chess improvement? The main goal is to help chess improvement, but there it has to make enough money that we can that we can live. Absolutely right. So and the, that's that's why, yeah. like, if we hit certain goals, like I have no need to make money beyond that, right? Like, if we're able to to live, I have no interest in tripling that or quadrupling that in order to whatever. I would just give the money away. So, well, and you know, let's say that there's. When we when we did that list of um, what would it take to hit 10x, I mean, money is involved. Like, yeah. I'm so happy that we could pay Jax for some for what the amazing work that he did. Uh, yeah. Maybe we will pay more for like the quality for our YouTube videos. Maybe we'll pay somebody to do marketing. Maybe we'll pay somebody to do community events. I mean, that's all in all, we're talking about money. You know, yeah. and yeah, so and by the way, guys, I don't know if we've ever like discussed this, but my benchmark for when we've made enough money and uh -huh. we can just and we can just, you know, donate, donate anything beyond that or lower prices or whatever. Like my yeah. benchmark is when Hokie's wife says he can quit his job. <laughs> like it, it's very, it's like a, it's like a very simple one line like uh -huh. test. Like the line is right there. Yeah, that's it. Like. As soon as as soon as he can quit his job, then it's like we've hit like our our revenue line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's mm -hmm. funny. <laughs> Let me. I'll just tell you guys a funny story. The the the, the who's listening. So, you know, DM Hokey, <laughs> he's like got a real job. Jack also has a real job, but DM Hokey's hilarious in that. We can never get him on a Zoom call where we talk about stuff because he's at work. But even though he's at work, he'll be like watching the stream. He will uh, be responding to people in Discord, to me in Discord, you know. So he's there, but he's not there, you know. Yeah. So it is this interesting thing where, um, and it's not just DM Hokey, but it's me too. You know, I'm, I'm giving lessons and I'm doing stuff on the side. And so I did the chessable course, yada, yada. Ideally, I want these that all to be a kind of a synergy of stuff where like, Part of the dream with the chessable was to bring people over. And to a certain extent, I hope that happened. If chess gets too popular, one day Hokie's boss will be watching. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> if chess gets too popular, DM Hokie's going to hire his boss to work at our site. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's funny. Half our chat is at, is at work watching us. That's how you do it. <laughs> <laughs> there he is. Working. working from home today. They can't spy on me. Uh, yeah, that really was the greatest, greatest change about the pandemic was the work, working from home shift. Yeah. So, Kostya, are you still in favor of discounts for anyone who asks after our discussion so far? I mean, within within reason, you know, if it gets, I'm just saying, like, at the current numbers, it really wouldn't be that many. Um, right. But, uh, yeah, as long as it remains within reason. Um, and it's like kind of weird, like when you when you say, "Are they going to ask DM Hokey on the the his, like sixty emails that the guy gets a day?" Yeah, exactly. I read I read a bunch of those, and sometimes people just send in messages. They're like, "Hey, I'm yeah. 
retired, you know, senior living on a uh, fixed income, you know, yeah. can you give me a discount? Okay. Right. Welcome. Come on in. <laughs> How about you, Jesse? For or against Kostya's? Um, I think if it could be automated, right, then that makes a lot more sense. I think if Hokey has to, like, uh, Hokey or anybody else has to, like, negotiate with people, because that's ultimately what people are doing. And even people with money are a lot of times like, well, I'm a negotiator, you know? You want to yeah. sell me that enchilada for five bucks? How about I give it to you for two fifty? <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, a lot of people are just like that. And my God, we just don't want to deal with no, it. That's I don't think that that price makes it so much simpler. Yeah, I don't think there there needs to be a negotiation. We could have a, you know a private senior price or whatever, and just uh -huh. give people a specific code or something. We could see how you know make sure the code isn't getting abused, and and then that would be that. You know, if they if that's not good enough, okay, fine. But you know that. Would, we could have something. Um. If I if I could do a, a discount, it would be if we could verify without any drama, with just like automated, somebody figures it out with computer tech, who is coming from what country? If someone's uh, from Africa, uh, India, you know, some of these countries that don't have a lot of money, and if we give them half off, I'd be fine with that. But it needs to be automated. I don't want somebody to be writing in and being like, oh, I'm from this country, and then DM Hokey has to like, no. <laughs> it needs to be automated, you know. Okay, yeah, maybe maybe we'll find a way. Yeah. I, I would also be okay with this if... Um, as long as we're not spending our effort on verifying it. Right, right. Oh, this is a good one. All right, just ask them to take a photo and then send it on Discord. And if they can't do it, then that will verify them. <laughs> if they don't send a photo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's good. <laughs> yeah. Okay, and how about the idea of just bringing the price down across the board when we get to, you know, X number of users? Who is for or against that option? Um, we could talk about it, but I think one of the interesting things is that uh, the more we grow, the more capital intensive it becomes, right? And that's what we're discovering. Like, like we got really lucky with Jack, right? To if we had to go out on the market and try to find somebody like Jack to create what Jack created, oh, buddy. That would have been a gazillion dollars, a gazillion dollars, right? Uh -huh. um, and there's going to be things like that that we are probably going to need to pay for. We might loot. Maybe, maybe Jack, dude, he's going off to Rome today. Maybe, maybe that guy falls in love with Italy and is like becomes a hippie and drops out. Oh, buddy, then we got a problem. You know, like so. There's going to be, I think, an increasing need for us to invest uh whatever it is that we grow and in, into the the project you know so my my guess is probably not yeah and the um, price point i like i said i think the price point's great 100 a year is not a lot and in, i'm happy in the u.s in the u.s like i agree for sure you know in the u.s yeah. i agree for sure yeah yeah but i would like it to be internationally available um, 
One okay. one quick can I, I want to tell one quick story that's a little bit related, but I just find it so interesting. So on this the the friend of the dojo, James Altucher's podcast, he had the dude who founded Waze on. Now, if you don't know, Waze was this uh, traffic app, and it began. I didn't know this, but it began like in the L.A. area where traffic is just extraordinary. Right? It's, it's just mind bending how bad it can be there. <clears throat> And initially, it didn't even have a map. Like now, if you use Waze or Google Maps, it'll just it's just this beautiful map, and it shows you how long it's going to take for you to get somewhere. It's going to show you where an accident is. At the beginning of this Waze thing, there was nothing. There was just like some people were writing in like, oh, yeah, there's an accident at 40th and 50th highways or whatever, right? So it was just that, and it was clear like these early adopters who were frustrated with the process of traffic and they were the ones that then drove the site to become ultimately, you know, something that was magnificent. Everybody uses now some kind of version of Waze when they travel. It's usually Google Maps now, right? But some everybody uses it now and it was created really by a couple of people who had a vision and then the early adopters who performed all of this feedback and work, right? And I feel like that is in many ways the story of Dojo 1.0 is we had so many people giving us feedback and then ultimately in the form of Jack who was in the program and had a problem with the scheduler that he was like, yeah, I can maybe fix this. I know how to do this. Dude took it upon himself and then Honestly, he just started creating a site, dude. We, we just started doing it. And we, it was something we definitely wanted, right? But it just kind of came to us through this early adopter that, you know, it then it was put on our, our platter. And now I feel with 2.0, we're kind of like at this interesting phase where we're still making improvements, but it's now gone to the point where we're user-friendly. So in the metaphor of the ways, right, it's like, it's like not having a map and then suddenly having a map, an interactive map that you can use, right? It's a huge difference. In better than like, imagine just like a feed of like, oh, there's an accident at 60th and 70th. Well, that doesn't mean much to the average, you know, person using anything, right? But if you have a map and you can see it, it's like, oh, yeah, now we're doing something interesting. So I feel like that's where we're suddenly at now with the new site. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I want to add one more final thing, actually, in terms of 10x. <clears throat> I mentioned this in a different discussion we had, but I feel that with the new sparring setup that Jack has, that the one of the dreams of the dojo was to do opening sparring. And now he just put in the sparring positions. Uh, by the way, let me just describe this. So you go on to our site and we have all of the sparring positions, end game, middle games and now openings. And dude just set it up with a picture of the board and then boom, you click a button and a challenge is created. You send it to your bro and then pop, it's on. It's on, you are playing within seconds. So with that, I feel like we could become the site, not just for training in general, but spar opening sparring in particular. Like people could come to our site and just use that because it's so cool. So that is just a further thing that I think we can develop from here, you know, possibility. Yeah. Oh man, there's so much. There's so much to do. <laughs> there's so, uh, there's so okay. much to do. So uh, let me take you guys to another topic. 
Okay. Uh, which is what's your dream 10 years down the road for this program? And I'll just say like the segue is from this question here, like one of my dreams is that it be available to anybody who wants to do it. Right. So that's sort of my, my concern with the, with the price. And that's why I'm thinking about, I don't want people to take it for granted. So I want to make sure that there's the investment and the pain and all that, but it mm -hmm. doesn't have to be on the financial side. I want it to be accessible. What, what dreams do you guys have down like way down the road? How do you imagine? So 10 yeah. years, you're talking like 2033. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's very hard for me to think about years out in the future. <laughs> Even like I, 2026. Okay, I got, I got like... some dreams, boss. I got some <laughs> dreams, yeah. Okay, I don't know about 10 years. It's hard to imagine five years is kind of a similar dream. But um, down the road, like let's imagine we had 30,000 people. That would immediately like this all the sparring problems would be solved you come on our site and you're going to find some sparring one reason also to have a little bit of a pain point is what we've discovered is in our events people aren't cheating i will say in watching some of jamil's games the cheaters are oh dude they're going to town they're going to town at chess.com it's like oh man they're like i don't i'm just saying Anyways, let me get back to the point. <laughs> so it's a safe place for people to play online where there's little to no cheating. You can never eradicate it completely. But the pain point, the barrier creates a, a much cleaner space than you get at chess.com. Okay. We might even get games being played on our site. That's something else that I can imagine five, ten years down the line. We are talking about that where the games themselves could be played and we wouldn't have to export it to Lee Chess or chess.com. Another thing that I want is I want it to be so boomer friendly that we get uh, people interacting with the site immediately without having to do Discord at all. We can have our Discord, but I want it to be so user friendly that you don't have to do it at all. You can do it right now, but you the site at the moment is still directing people to Discord. I think our audiovisual can get much better. We, we have in five, 10 years, we have a recognizable logo. We have merch that people see when we go out to do stuff. We're going to have live events in different cities where we come and hang out. Um, logo, man. Dreamy big, Jesse. <laughs> yeah, dude. We got to have it. And big. then um, he wants a logo within 10 years, Coast. <laughs> no, no. I, what, I, what I said was, though, something that's recognizable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. recognizable. Nice. You see that across the room, like right. Everybody knows that's the chess dojo, right? No, no, absolutely. I was just laughing at it. Isn't it? Just that's fine. That's in. fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, and right then, I'm I'm with David. If DM Hokey can quit his job, then we're at, we've reached a point where, like, it it'll, it frees up our own, not just time, but like creative ability to work just on one thing. Right. Yeah. And also, I want to say 10 years down the road that I make it back to 2500 that I'm playing in a way that's not only competitive, but that's fun and interesting. Right. Uh, that's something as a personal goal. That I want Kosti to make GM yeah. in five to 10 years, dog. Yeah. And David, I've told David this for over 10 years that he's going to end up coming back to chess. He's always like, no, I can't, man. Blah, blah. It's all these excuses. But the, the force is too strong, you know. David might give up chess, but I don't know if chess can give up David. That's one of the things. All right, so that's my tenure dream. All right, I have a nice. couple. I have a couple of dreams to add to that. Um, I think it'd be great if we had like a really, 
robust community. Um, like if you imagine a dojo, you know, you have the senseis at the top, but then you have like instructors at every level. You have people that specialize in working with beginners. Um, so it'd be great if we had more like instructors, even like students that develop through the program, right? Or have been using the program for a while. If they become more like, like actual like team members, I think that'd be cool. Um, it'd also be great if we had more of like the ultimate sensei type of events. Like maybe it doesn't have to be like a huge production, but even just like a weekly thing where we spotlight some students, you know, we just like help them out a little bit. We see how they're going in the long run. I feel like that would be awesome if uh, we had like some, some more of that, like some one-on-one -on -one training and just like tracking like the journeys and the narratives of like some of the students in the program, like over a long time. I think that would be, um, that would be very, very cool as well. Um, 10 years is a long time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. I mean, I think a big piece of my vision for at that point is like, it's got to have more coaches than the three of us. I think that's like a huge piece if it's going to grow, right? Because there's going to be a limit to how many students we can know personally and like look at some of their games and give them some guidance right now there's kind of like you know we're pretty well connected to all the people yeah. mm -hmm. in the dojo and i think it's just got to be it's just got to be there's got to be in a certain sense like more dojo coaches right like people who are familiar with the training program and use the training program and they teach private lessons in a way that complements with the training program and their mm -hmm. students are doing the training program that's what i really see also, 10 years is long enough that a bunch of them could be people who, you know, are students now right? and in five to 10 years are going to be masters and are going to be teaching. So I'd love to have a bunch of, you know, dojo produced masters, new yeah. masters, new senseis um, that even come from within, although they can also, of course, come from without, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I totally agree. And I want to say it's especially important as we scale up, like I recognize most of the names from like doing graduation shows and discord interaction. But if we imagine getting to 3000 people, well, I'm not, I'm obviously not going to know, you know, a lot about many of those people. Right. So that what you're saying becomes more important as we scale up. Yeah. Let me guys give you an example of just Jack's amazingness while we were doing the show. Okay, dude compiled just because he thought it would be cool and it is cool. The total dojo score, the points, the dojo points per cohort <laughs> showing which cohorts are gaining the most total dojo points. Amazing, dude. Amazing. Yeah. And is he like doing that on like programming it on his phone in a cab on the way to the airport or no, something he's like this? Almost, he's almost leaving. He's leaving soon. This was the last <laughs> thing dude did. Yeah. And the average dojo score, 2,400 plus, is winning that battle, my friends. That's cool. only got two people in that cohort, but 2,400 cool. plus is winning that battle. Folks yeah. better catch up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. That was great, man. That was good. Yeah. All right, folks. Um, quick question. Anything that you guys are really unhappy with in the program? Oh, boy. That's not a quick question. <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean, things, uh, no, things really are good. Happy. There's there's always stuff to improve. I mean, as, as we've mentioned, there's lots of things we're working on. 
Yeah. I mean, overall, things are things are great. The community's pumping. People are gaining points. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's nothing you hate. Site. There's nothing you hate. I mean, we've had a bunch of two to one votes on various things, right? Mm. And I was just curious if if anybody was bitter about anything or thought we made any big mistakes. No. No, there's, I mean, no, even, I, even the stuff that didn't go my way, it's a good, pretty small change, really. I think you guys have made mistakes, but I don't think it matters. You know, it's like <laughs> the vision is still more important. And when <laughs> and when those mistakes come home to roost, then I'll uh -huh. say I told you so. But there's no reason for me to air those grievances. right now. <laughs> OK, so Kosti, you have some grievances. I, I want to hear them. I, no, no, we, no, we, could do a, we could do another show called Airing of Grievances. <laughs> Airing of Grievances. Best of I would say one of the things that's been surprising about it is like I haven't felt like it was too hard to reach agreements with you guys. Mm. But one of the things I was wondering this moment was like, would we have ever finished the training program if there had been four senseis and right. like votes right. had been deadlocked too, too about yeah. stuff, which, you know, like months later, you find that you don't really care about it that much. Right. Like, mm -hmm. like I'm not sitting here even remembering which things you guys outvoted me on, you know, like at the moment you might be like, oh, we should really do it this way. But then. You look at the final product and you're like, yeah, it's cool. I've got no problems with it. Right. In general, I mean, I think we should be giving people a consistent um, viewpoint. We, I, don't, I don't think it's necessarily helpful to, yeah, constantly be arguing about, like, what are the best ways to whatever, uh, study and, and so on. Um, but, uh, yeah. No, I mean, I think that's, that's why it works because I, I think we all have kind of the same the same like overall vision of what chess improvement kind of takes. And so yeah. we agree on the big stuff, right? Yeah. Super. Okay. 